welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Good morning, church. It's a new year. Happy New Year. It's the first Sunday of 2021. And in the midst of everything that's going on, I am hopeful and anticipating change. I'm excited for things to get better, for the Lord to show up this year and bring um, change. And 2021, we as a team are excited to um, lead you into this next year. We have so much in store for what's coming um, and we want to be together in 2021. But before I talk about the next season and introduce this new series, I want to reflect on 2020 because obviously this last year was hard. It was a challenge. But um, I want to give you some insight to the things that God prepared us for as a church. You see, every year in January, um, our leadership team gets together to pray about what the next season will look like for our church. And in 2020, collectively, we felt that the Lord uh, invited us into a new year where we weren't supposed to make plans for the coming year. It was a strange thing. For 10 years, we've been doing the same thing, writing ministry plans, reorganizing around new initiatives. But in 2020, before the pandemic began in January, we felt that the Lord say to pause, Selah. He invited us to just wait and do what is called in Hebrew the divine pause. Little did we know that there would be a global pandemic and things would shut down and we would have to radically adjust our approach to ministry. But God did prepare our church for what was coming in ways that we had no idea. Um, and I thought a lot about 2020 as, as a pastor. And one of the things I've been thinking about, I felt the Lord invite me into, was to um, really answer the question, if I knew what I know now, what would I have done differently as a pastor leading this church? How would I have prepared our community collectively for 2020, knowing what it would look like? And I've thought about it. What would I have done differently? Well, first of all, you need to know I would have gone to Disneyland more before 2020. I would have gone to Galaxy's Edge and experienced Star Wars land. I would have spent way more time with my friends. I would have had meals out and had more meals in my homes. I would have stayed late at Third Wednesday. I would have stayed late on Sunday and worshiped passionately, collectively. When we were together in our large corporate gatherings, I would have listened more in the, in the, the space between services. I would have hugged you, and I would have hugged everyone probably during fellowship time because I miss church. I miss church the way it was, it was the way um, it was before the pandemic. And I, there's all sorts of things I would have done differently as a person, as a husband, as a father, preparing my family for what was ahead. But when I think about my role as a lead pastor, what would I have done differently to prepare our church? I need you to know, without a doubt, I would have emphasized the need for radical discipleship. I would have created a clear path for our church to develop intentional rhythms of discipleship to ensure passionate pursuit of Jesus while we were separate and stay-at-home orders, and while large gatherings were shut down. I would have made sure every single one of you was involved in a house church, and every single one of you went through emotionally healthy discipleship. I would have made sure that before we got, went into 2020, you had developed the tools to empower you to deal with the conflict and the relational strains you would experience in your families, in your households, in the city that we live in, and in our nation. 
I probably would have done a series and developed tools to help you navigate um, finances, to, to recognize the spirituality of money and possessions. I would have encouraged simplicity, stewardship, and generosity. I would have made sure everyone in our church was ready for what was coming because we would live below our means so that resources would be allocated to make sure every single person in our church had enough to go around because that's what it means to be church. I would have made sure all of you were in a house church so that you would live on mission together with other people and recognize that households are the primary place for gathering as God's people. I would have been intentional about formation and making sure that we had what it took to radically pursue Jesus when the ordinary um, rhythms of church life, Sunday large corporate gatherings were stripped away. So I need you to know, rather than waste another Sunday, rather than waste your time, this is what we are going to do this next year. We, I, I am calling it the year of radical discipleship and formation. We, on a ch- as a church, are going to go on mission together, um, developing the resources and tools to f- pursue Jesus like never before. So we're starting with this series, The Rule of Life, which we're going to teach Uh, over the next 12 weeks. And then we're gonna follow it up with Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, which has two parts. Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Part 1 is about loving God. Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Part 2 is about loving others. And this year, we wanna develop and invest and resource you as resilient disciples so that we are prepared for anything in 2021. Are you with me? All right, so let's begin um, with the word Uh, I'm going to begin with some prayer. Would you just open up your hearts and would you just open up your hands? It's a new year. I want to pray that God blesses you. Father, I thank you for technology to minister to our church and preach from afar. I pray, God, that you would come quickly so that we could gather again together. But Lord, this year, I pray that you would fill us with peace and hope, and joy, and love, and that you would empower us to be resilient disciples like never before. I pray that our passion for you would increase this year, and that we would walk with you in power and conviction. Your spirit would fill us this new year to uh, be a witness to the ends of the earth. And we bless you, and we pray this in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, just side note, because I'm feeling it, I just want you to know that I don't like preaching like this. Who would have thought that when I'm shouting amens and hallelujahs, I would have to hear silence on this end. I want to be together, and I know that that's where this is going, so just hold tight and be patient. We'll get there, but for now, we've got work to do, amen? All right, go to Mark chapter eight. I'm gonna frame this series, the Rule of Life series, from this passage because it's so important to understand what we're inviting you into. It's Mark chapter eight, verse 34, and it's kind of this hinge moment in the book of Mark. Mark, uh, eight chapters leading up to this moment where, where um, uh, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah, and as soon as the disciples know that he's the Messiah, the rest of the book, the next eight chapters, will be about going to the cross. But this is that moment. It's the hinge. Who Jesus was, his miracles, defining his ministry, and then this confession that he's Lord, and then immediately Jesus says, now that you know, here's what's required of you. Um, it's Mark 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. So he speaks to the crowd and he invites his disciples along with his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. This is the invitation of Jesus. If you could just imagine the crowds following him and then his 12 disciples, Jesus gives this open invitation at the decisive moment in the book of Mark, where this is the moment that Mark is saying, as a literary um, device, Jesus is moving his mission towards the ultimate mission, the cross. This is where the narrative flow goes, that it's going to be the strategy of Jesus to bring about his kingdom through self-sacrificial love. And one of the literary devices that Mark uses over and over again in the book of Mark is to contrast the crowd versus the disciples. It's the crowd who will cheer Jesus on in one moment when there's a miracle and the crowd that condemns him the next. It's the crowd that cheers him and admires him as he comes into Jerusalem saying Hosanna in the highest glory to God and as soon as Jesus doesn't meet their expectations they say crucify him at the end of the gospel you see the crowds admire Jesus from afar but the disciples follow him with their follow Jesus with their lives crowds bend Jesus into their image to fit their perspective and lifestyle but disciples reorder their lives, lifestyle, and worldview around Jesus, their rabbi. Crowds use Jesus to get whatever they want out of life. And disciples surrender their way of life in order to do Jesus' will. Crowds will use words to argue their perspective in public. But disciples use practices and habits to live their perspectives out in public private you see the crowd versus the disciple is still the question today you see the word christian has been watered down because now what does it mean to be christian you might have a professed confession jesus but nothing in your life points to him at all in fact in the new testament the, uh, the word christian is only used three times which mean and it means little christ but the word disciple is used 268 times in the New Testament. And so when Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple, he is saying this is an invitation for everyone. It's open. It is, everyone is invited to be a disciple, but the cost is everything. He leaves you with no question on what it will cost you. It will cost you your life. You must learn to lay down your life and follow the way of Jesus, which leads to the cross. And in that losing of life, you will find real life. And so the question that I pose today is the question that Mark will inevitably leave you with. Will you be a disciple or will you just be part of the crowd? 
Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ or are you just part of the crowd? Dallas Willard says the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. You see, if you choose to follow Jesus today, I wanna invite you to, in 2021 to lose your life this year, to let go, to dedicate your life to following Jesus, to surrender all of your expectations and hopes at the foot of the cross, and to pick up the strategy of Jesus in order to discover what God has for you this year. I want you to choose to follow Jesus as a disciple, not as a cultural Christian, but something far more compelling and far more meaningful than ever before. We need disciples of Jesus who live out the way of Jesus in their everyday ordinary life. Church, this is why we are here. We are not backing down from this. We are not gonna go into culture trying to fight for public gatherings. I'm for public gatherings. I wanna fight for us to lay down our lives and follow the way of Jesus. I want people to be filled with such power and peace and joy and freedom and self-control and grace that people want to be like us. They want to be like us, not because we've persuaded them in our arguments or petitioned them with signs, but because our lives reveal the living God. This is what you're invited into. Can I get an amen? How are we doing? It's 2021. For many of us, we have said yes to Jesus, but there has been no intentionality behind following him. It's like saying I'm gonna run a marathon and never waking up early to practice, never running a mile. You sign up for the end gate, gate and you, or the <laughs> end race, but you won't finish. You have to recognize that Jesus, when he calls you into discipleship, he's calling you into intentionality. And for some reason, we have reduced discipleship to attending church or in this day and age, to just watching it on Sundays online when it fits our schedule. But I, I wonder if you, as a disciple, were prepared for 2020. Were you ready to lead people into the kingdom of God when corporate gatherings shut down? Was your life set on fire with mission and passion and compassion for the world as it began to hurt? as we began to navigate with discernment, integrity, and love the political chaos of 2020? Or were you just swept away by the angry mob? Did you have a process in place to support your spiritual life with Jesus? This is what we're after. What's the process for you? Jesus gives us an invitation on what life as a disciple should look like. It's in John chapter 15. I'm getting to my point in just a second. I'm trying to introduce you to the rule of life, which we'll talk about in just a moment. It will all make sense after this. So when Jesus speaks to his disciples in John, he gives them a vision for discipleship. And this is what he says. I love it. It's beautiful. He says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Or that word is abide. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do some things. Nope. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the vision for discipleship, what it looks like to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as resilient disciples in and out of seasons, to be a tree planted by streams of living water that produce a kind of healthy organic growth. In order to have healthy organic growth, you still need a process and structure for that organic growth. Jesus says the Father is the gardener and he is the true vine. And there's so much theology here that he's referring to himself as the true vine is saying that he's the true Israel. He says that we are the branches. And our task is simply to press into Jesus, to remain or to abide in him, to make our homes in Jesus. This is our task as a disciple. And if you recall my my sermon a few weeks ago, I talked about this phrase, um, to believe in Jesus is to trust in him. And one New Testament scholar says that the, the task of a disciple is to relax in Jesus, to put your faith, your trust, your belief, your literal posture is to relax in the way of Jesus. This is what Jesus is getting after, that as disciples, we learn in our everyday ordinary moments of life, our coming and going kind of life, in home, on the go, at work, with the family, hanging out, that kind of life is uh, saturated and baptized in the presence of God. Isn't that fascinating? That as disciples, we learn to press in, to make our home in Jesus. That this is the invitation that we bear fruit in that process. That we will reveal to the world our our, our obedience and allegiance to God and, and Jesus through the fruit of our life. And the fruit he's talking about is fruit that lasts for eternity. Fruit of gentleness and patience and self-control and joy and peace and love. Don't we need more of those? When you think about the anxiety and the fear that's out there in the world, the fruit of the spirit that comes from a life that's abiding in Jesus is so compelling now in this moment of time in this cultural moment. And so the question I have is how will you learn to abide in Jesus? How will you learn this year to relax in the way of Jesus? And you might think, well, this is just a natural process. And yeah, sure, it's a natural process, but have you ever tried tried to grow a garden in your own home? That natural process doesn't happen accidentally. It happens because you create an environment for life to flourish. It happens because you've set up uh, good rich soil and you water it and it, there's sunlight and you protect it from 
um, raccoons and, and insects that come out of nowhere to destroy your strawberries and squash and watermelon. You see, even the most organic things need structure and support to, uh, for, for the, that organic life to flourish. And in the words of Dallas Willard, grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So this year, what is your strategy for Christ-likeness? What is your strategy for resilient discipleship? If you said yes to Jesus, what is it? Are you with me? I wanna invite you to live the way of Jesus by adopting a rule of life. Now, this might be new to you, but this series is called A Rule of Life. And as, as a church, we've created um, a, uh, uh, a rule of life for our entire community. What is a rule of life? Well, the word rule, it comes from this Greek word for trellis. Um, trellis, imagine um, the vine growing. That, um, in the same way that a vine needs a trellis to lift it off the ground, to grow upwards, to become fruitful and productive, a rule of life is the support structure that helps us abide in Christ and become more fruitful spiritually. A rule of life is very simple. It's an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. Dallas Willard call it, called it a curriculum in Christ-likeness. John Orberg has called it the game plan for morphing. The rule of life originated from the third century where men and women withdrew from society into the desert, the deserts of Egypt and Syria and Palestine to see God. They wanted to free themselves from the distractions of the third century chaos in order to seek God more intentionally. And they developed a plan built around work and prayer and the study of scriptures. Um, one of the first um, uh, monastic communities that wrote this was a guy named uh, Pacomius, and he came out of the, the community in Egypt. And so this comes from a rich tradition of Christianity, um, and it's an intentional plan to follow the way of Jesus. Now, this might seem cumbersome, this might feel rigid, but I promise you, it's light. So at the garden, we created a common rule of life that has freedom and flexibility for you to make it your very own. You see, each individual rule that we will teach every week over the next 12 weeks um, will vary based on your personality, your makeup, your stage of life, you see, you will choose various disciplines to practice based on who you are. And although every disciple should pray, for example, the frequency and the length of time that you pray will differ for each person. As Thomas Campus says, all cannot use the same kind of spiritual exercises, but one suits this person and another that. Different devotions are suited also to the different seasons of life. So we hope, to see that every disciple at the Garden Church live out this common rule of life. And that this common rule of life will empower the vision we have as a church of wherever you are as it is in heaven to go with you. We've asked the question, how do we make resilient disciples in our current post-Christian world? 
And one of the ways we are gonna do this is by equipping you as disciples to live out your faith in common ways. So whether we do that in house churches, corporate gatherings, or whether you're doing this alone, whether it's in Denver or in the UK or in Long Beach or in Seal Beach, wherever you find yourselves, we believe we can go further together on mission by living out these practices, these daily and weekly and monthly rhythms that are anchored in our theological convictions um, so that we can live a common mission together wherever we are. I hope that this framework will be a life-giving, life-empowering framework to empower you as a disciple for years to come. So we have these rules um, that we are going to teach. We have these concepts we are gonna teach to help you have a strategy to um, live out the way of Jesus in your everyday life. And we're gonna teach them uh, each topic over the next 12 weeks. So we've broken up these uh, 12 topics, and you can go online to the Garden website, and you can see the rule of life there. And each week, we're going to teach through these things to give you practices and steps on how to live this out in your everyday life. There are four categories we have. We have uh, life with God, and there's three rules. There's going to be one on prayer, one on scripture, and one on worship. And then we have uh, organized a a category for life with others. And so we have uh, a rule around community, service, and generosity. And then we have rules built around work life. And so we'll have um, common language around stewardship and vocation. Your work life matters. And Sabbath, how we learn to do work and rest in this age of, of nonstop activity. Lastly, we've developed... Um, some language around soul care. We want to help you embody the things we believe as disciples in your mind and your physical bodies and your heart. So we have 12 rules for um, our church that you are going to integrate and make it your own. And I promise as we roll these out, it will be life-giving and light. It will help you follow Jesus. So This is the introduction. Over the next 12 weeks, we're gonna teach through these concepts to empower you as a radical disciple of Jesus through formation. What do you do now? Well, it's 2021, and I wanna invite you to be a disciple of Jesus. If you haven't dedicated your life to Jesus, I wanna invite you to dedicate your life to following Jesus. Now is the time. And if you've been a cultural Christian, I wanna invite you to make a decision from this day forward to follow Jesus as a disciple and learn what it means to pattern your life off of his way of living as as an apprentice and a disciple of Jesus. The second, it's 2021. Brothers and sisters, commit to a house church. Join a house church. Be a part of a community and stay with that community this year as we develop these resources together. Every single house church and digital community this year is gonna go through um, uh, our rule of life together followed by emotionally healthy discipleship. So I wanna invite you right now to go online and join a house church or a digital community. Sign up, be a part of a, a community this year and commit to staying with them for the whole of 2021. Lastly, I want to invite you to commit to a rule of life. Over the next 12 weeks, you're going to learn about ways to follow the way of Jesus. And we're going to help you with that. But I want to, right now, on this Sunday, I want you to commit, write it down, I commit to a rule of life that will empower you to live as a disciple in this chaotic world. Invite you to be fruitful this year in 2021. 
That's all I got for you. In the words of Jesus um, in Mark's gospel, I want to remind you, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. Brothers and sisters, happy new year. Grace and peace. God be with you. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.